Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Emily, it's, it will be a pri- privilege to uh, witness you aligning yourself uh, to the story of uh, Jesus Christ uh, this afternoon. And I love watching you take uh, this tender step uh, of obedience by celebrating and demonstrating your faith in Christ um, through baptism. You know, Emily, uh, and everybody else here, I've learned in my Christian walk, um, one thing that I've learned is how much we need God uh, in our lives. Indeed, my, my words of exhortation to you, uh, Emily, and everybody else today, were inspired by, by Martin's encouraging us uh, over the summer months uh, to grow nearer to God by revisiting the word um, through Paul to the church at Philippi. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote these words in prison um, that we've read this morning in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 18. The last portion, he said so. He said this, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul, in prison, wrote a letter famous not for complaints, but for joy. I wonder if we don't do the same when we find ourselves stuck, trapped, walled in the prisons of life. Can't we also build or create a garden in our prison? Paul talks to us about the prison of fear. You might have the same fears, Emily and Dan, as you're going off to university. Others here might be a bit younger. They may be anxious about GCSEs or A-levels. Let me ask you a question. How, you, how would you complete this sentence? When I am afraid... When I'm afraid, I shake, tremble, get out, throw up, run. Life is, is full of fears. In fact, if you listen to the, to the news or some of the stuff in the papers, you can be afraid of, of everything. We can be afraid of our weight, so we go on diet drinks. Then we read that about the dangers of saccharin and go on a a water-only crusade. If we look through the the microscope, we could see that even water is full of the the side of pests and go on a a bottled water campaign. Then someone might tell us that plastic bottles will punch holes in the the ozone layer. For fear of, of cancer, we might not walk under power lines For fear of brain damage, we might not talk on mobile phones. We can worry about all sorts of things, even to the extent of the lady who worried the tooth fairy 
would put money beneath her dentures. <laughs> that, the, that the dog would tell other people what she looked like when she came out of the shower. She even worried that she would die in an all-you-can-eat restaurant and not get her £10 worth. <laughs> she was worried that someone might find out that lettuce is fattening and chocolate wasn't. A friend asked her to start a fear club of the month, but she was afraid that nobody would join. This is a scary world that we live in. How many of you can remember when viruses lived in bodies and not in computers? Frailty, failure, finality. That is what we fear in life, isn't it? We fear being out of control. We fear, fear being out of grace. And we fear the moment that when we're, when we're out of breath. Most of our fears fall into one of these three areas. And I wonder if Paul did. You know, when you read the epistle of Philippians, though he was a candidate for fear, you don't find any signs of fear. You don't read of shaking knees, praying knees, yes. You don't read any prayers of panic, prayers of peace, yes. Do you find him asking for anything? Incredibly, no. You find him saying, I have everything and more. I have all that I need. How could, you, how could he say such words? How could he be so fearless in a fear-filled world? Well, seven verses in chapter one gives us a, a pretty good clue. And I want, you to, I want to show you how he dealt with his frailties, his failure, and his finality. Perhaps he dealt with his failure by focusing on God's sovereignty and not his own frailty. Just have a look at, little look at verse 19. Verse 19 of First Philippians. He says this. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ... What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You might like to underline those two words, turn out. Have you ever used that phrase, it will turn out all right? I hope that things turn out okay. Paul's focus is not on the present situation, but on the eventual solution. How many of you perhaps have been to a, a concert, perhaps at the Bridgewater Hall, and you've heard the orchestra warm up? Is that pretty? Is that enjoyable? It's not, is it really? The violin is going this way. The celloist is, is going that way. The tuba is doing this. The kettle drum is doing boom with that. And it's all going in different directions. No harmony, no rhythm. And perhaps for some of you, that is where your life might be right now. The world is so noisy, discordant, has no rhythm, no flow, and you wonder how long is it going to be like that? Listen, 
Paul's world would probably have felt like that too. It did not go as he planned. He was not where he thought he would be. But he was confident that at the right time, the maestro would step in and lift the baton and silence would fall and music would begin. Paul was trusting his father. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the world gets a little out of kilter and wild and all you can do is trust. I would encourage you, Emily, and everyone here in this house to trust. This is the admonition of the psalmist in chapter uh, chapter 130 and verse 5. He said, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. If your world sounds out of harmony, take courage from the promise of Psalm 121 and verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Take heed from the excitation of Psalm 37 and verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Things will turn out all right. Clutch to the promise of Romans 8 and verse 24. We know that all things work for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You know, I remember many years ago, many, it is many years ago now, taking some children home after Sunday school not really knowing where, that they, where they lived. Though you'll be pleased to know that I, I did find it eventually. Uh, but I knew that they didn't know. And just out of curiosity, I asked them if they knew how to get home. And they said no. And I said, are you afraid? And they said no. And I said, why not? And they said, because you do. you don't have to know how to get home you don't have to know the path the Lord is going to take in fact it's probably best that you don't try to figure it all out you know the wise man in the book of Proverbs said do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all you do and he will direct your paths. Remember that, Emily, as you start this new chapter in your life. Are you afraid because you feel frail in a big world? There are so many parts of life we we can't control, aren't there? We can't control the economy. We can't control the weather. We can't control what people think about us. We can't even control what we think about us. Sometimes we feel like that cork bobbing in the Atlantic. If that is you, and the frailty has brought fear, why don't you focus on the sovereignty of the Lord and hold on to his hand? Maybe your fears do not come from frailty, but your fear of failure, of failures. 
Paul reminds us how to handle these. He trusted God to keep him from falling. I just want to to share with you the the full impact of these remarkable words in Philippians, just from three translations, just to give you, as I say, the, the full impact. Just have a look at that, if you wouldn't mind. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Or from another translation, I expect and hope that I will not fail Christ in in anything, but I will have courage now, as always, to show the greatness of Christ in my life here on earth. And one more. I honestly expect and hope that I will never do anything to be ashamed of. Paul almost sounds cocky, doesn't he? In fact, if we could transliterate this, when we say, I hope, it's kind of like, I desire it. But the word he uses is, I expect. I expect that I will not, not fall. I expect that God will always be honoured in my body. Paul has no fear of falling so far that he will fail to honour God. He's not afraid that he will disappoint God. He's absolutely confident that God will guide him and that he will not fall away from the Father. You know, I wonder if he read Psalm, I'm sure he did, Psalm 37 and verse 23 to 24, where it says, If the Lord delights in a man's path, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, many Christians live in fear of committing that fatal mistake that will be so bad or so evil that when they do, God will say, oops, you've gone far too far, my friend. They do not understand that God is coming along or holding your hand so that you will not fall devoted to save you. God, as Peter says in his way, says this, God in his mighty power will protect you until you receive this salvation because you trust him. Why don't you take comfort from that? Of all the fears you have in life, do not fear falling beyond the love of God. Don't be afraid of your failure. Don't be afraid of your frailty. And lastly, don't be afraid of your finality. The inevitability of death troubles us, doesn't it? It frightens us. We can perhaps relate to the uh, minister on his first aeroplane flight. He was so nervous, the co-pilot had to leave his cockpit to, to calm him down. You're a religious man, he said. Don't you believe that when it's your time to go, you'll go, no matter what happens? And the minister said, of course I believe that. I'm just worried that your time may come before mine. <laughs> if you have those, those fears, take courage from Paul's understanding. 
He's accepted God's definition of dying. Look how Paul dealt with his fear of death. Verse 20 of Philippians 1. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what, I sh- what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I, de- I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. How peculiar is Paul's dilemma. He says, I don't know what to choose, living or dying. How many of you have said that in the last couple of days? with the same casual aplomb, as we would say, I don't know which to choose, pizza or lasagna. Well, he's able to say that because he, was a, he, he had come to an understanding of what death really means to God. The phrase he, he uses here when he says, I, di- I desire to depart, is literally, I want to break camp. Oh, rem- remember, Paul is, a, is an old tent maker, He knows what it's like to to break camp. What does it mean to to break camp? It meant to to fold up and get off the the borrowed ground. He earlier called his body a tent. So when it comes to leave, it's meaning we're going to, to fold up the old tent and leave the borrowed ground. Brothers and sisters, this is borrowed ground. Jesus is coming back to establish a wonderful kingdom of God on this earth. And consequently, Paul says, I enjoyed this camping trip, but I'm really ready to get home. Aren't you ready to go home after you've been camping? Aren't you ready for a good hot bath, your own bed, some good food? Paul says, It's been a good trip, but you know as much as I've I've enjoyed it, when it comes to to the time, I'm ready to go. Just listen to this passage from Psalm 116 and verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We have no reason to fear death, because death cannot separate us from the love of God. Does your finality frighten you? Why do you not accept God's definition of dying? Do your frailties frighten you? Why don't you trust the sovereignty of God and don't focus on the frailties of man? Do your failures frighten you? Are you afraid that you're going to do something to cause God to turn away? Then trust God. Trust the one who is able to keep you from falling. Why don't you give your fears to the Father and our Lord Jesus this morning? Let me remind you, the worst thing that could happen has already happened. The darkest day has already passed. The ugliest moment that could ever have been envisaged in history would go something like this. God, who loves his children would send his son to them and they would kill him. They would reject him. They would put nails in his hands and feet 
and a spear in his side, a crown of mockery on his head. That, brothers and sisters and young people, is the ugliest moment in the history of mankind. But God took that ugly moment. He took the cross and made it into like a hinge pin in the doorway of hope. He took the ugly tool of death and turned it into something victorious and joyful. Now listen, if he can do that with the cross, don't you think he could do that with whatever may await you and me? We can assure each other that God, who took the cross and turned it into a tool of victory, can take our tragedies and use them for his glory. What he wants to do this morning is for us to trust him. Trust him with our future and not our fears. He wants his children to be fearless, to be courageous. When I'm afraid, I... Would you just turn with me to Psalm 56? I'd like us just all to, to say this. Psalm 56. Here's how the psalmist would like us to finish the sentence. So we say it together. When I am afraid, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. God bless you.